we are in a uh, series called Thanks a Lot, and what we've been talking about is um, uh, this idea that uh, our culture doesn't really have too much thanks going on in it. If you are on social media for five seconds, if you turn on the news for five seconds, if you uh, are uh, doing anything. Our culture thrives on chaos. It thrives on you'll never have enough um, and that the thing, the new thing is the best thing and that you have, uh, um, uh, you know, whatever you have, no matter when you got it, there's something better. And so you should be the, your shirt, your phone, your car, whatever it is, it's never, ever good enough. And so what I wanted to do is take a month, Thanksgiving month, and, and kind of have this idea of what do we have to be thankful for? My son uh, is off to college now, and uh, it's amazing what has changed in our relationship. Because what, he calls me every day now, or about every other day. And uh, when our kids went to college, we did this thing with every single one of them. We gave them a credit card, right? Before you gasp in horror, uh, we had a couple rules. One rule was, if you ever get into trouble and you need to get out of there, use the credit card. I don't care how much it costs. If you're just like, I feel unsafe or whatever, get an Uber, get whatever you need, taxi, limo. I don't care. Just get out of there, okay? And so that was the rule. And the second rule is if you ever have the credit card and like you're out with friends and they're like, we're all going to the movies and you don't have any money, text me or call me before you use it. And we had a name for the credit card for all three kids. It was called Magic Plastic. And what Magic Plastic did was you could magically walk up somewhere, hand them magic plastic, and they'd give you things, okay? Now, what they didn't know is that I was actually on the other end of that, reading the magic plastic statements, and I assure you, you did have to pay for all those things. So what's happened to my son is, he's left, and he's, he's away, and he finds himself in need. Like, he'll need this, or he'll need that, or he'll need this. And so he'll call me up, and here's how it goes. It goes like this. Yeah. That's how, am I lying? That's exactly how he starts. Exactly how he starts the, the, yeah. I was wondering if it would be okay to use magic plastic. I'm like, what is it for? So we go talk about it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. He usually needs to buy a computer cable or something. Um, and, and so uh, he's just like, thank you so much. Like, oh, thank you so much. And I've been doing this his whole life. I've been buying everything for him. My wife and I have bought everything that is on his body, that's in his room, that's any, anything that has ever gone into his body. We have purchased with our own, stop raising your hands. Woo! <laughs> Preach it. I know. Uh, right? So it's like we, we've been doing this this whole time. But because he sees himself in need and he knows, wow, the only way this is going to happen is through my dad and magic plastic. <laughs> okay? So here's the point I want to make this morning that we're going to talk about for just a little bit. Your relationships will be as healthy as the gratitude you express. Not the gratitude you feel. Because see that, uh, I'm sure all throughout my son's life, he felt 
thankful or happy or whatever, insert whatever emotion is tied to thankfulness or gratefulness. But it just never got expressed. And at times, that would come between me and my son. Because I would do something nice, take him somewhere, and it's just like expected, right? You know, again, when you're two, three, four, five, that's great. But what if you're married and 40? And your spouse is doing all these things, have always done all these things. And you're thankful. You may even tell your friends, oh, my wife, oh, oh, couldn't live without her. She's amazing. She's amazing. She never complains. She makes me breakfast, lunch, dinner, does my wash, mows the lawn, cleans up the garage, <laughs> love it, fixes the cars. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. You are so grateful for your wife, but unexpressed gratitude is worthless. And so your relationships are going to be as healthy as the gratitude you express. Now, I just want to say as a, as a caveat, uh, I, like I tell you every week, I preach to me. So what's happened, I've had the luxury of being in this scripture and being in the scriptures all week long. So I've had some chances to practice what I'm about to preach to you. And what I realize is there are so many more ways I can express the gratitude I actually feel towards my spouse, towards my neighbor, not my neighbors, uh, towards... Uh, <laughs> towards uh, you guys, like just all these people who've helped shape me, who've helped uh, me along the way, the people who volunteered for hours and hours in the ministries that we do around here. The, the, you saw the children's ministry workers. They're just incredible. Do I thank them enough? Do I express the gratitude that I feel? Because uh, those relationships will be as healthy as the gratitude that I express. And as I said before, there's this sense in our culture, this goes right against culture because what, what, what basically a lack of gratitude is, is entitlement. Well, they're supposed to do that. You know, you tell, you tell a little kid and you're like, does your mom make your, breakfast, uh, your lunch every morning? You know, pack your lunch every morning. Yeah. But do you thank her? No, no. She loves to do that. <laughs> That's why she was created by God to serve me. <laughs> She makes my breakfast. She packs my lunch. It's not rocket science. So why, why would I be thankful? If you're an employer and your employees, you're like, do you ever thank them? Yeah, I do. It's called my signature at the bottom of the check. They, it gets cashed. They know, they know that I, I thank them. No, 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 no. Do you actually thank them? You actually thank them for what they do. So we're going to look at a little story in the Bible um, out of the book of Luke. And it talks about this. And it has some really key, uh, I'm going to be, kind of bouncing back and forth uh, from uh, how we approach Jesus to also how we approach each other. So you'll see me doing that uh, off and on. Um, but it's written in the book of Luke, and the book of Luke is different than the other what we call gospels. So there's four gospels, and those are basically accounts of Jesus, okay? So if you're new to the Bible and you hear someone say, oh, it's the gospel of John, okay? That's just an account of Jesus's life that was penned by a guy named John. Well, this gospel of the four is called Luke, and it was penned by a physician. He was a doctor, and he wrote to the person. It was a letter, and he wrote it to the person, and he said, I wanted to get an accurate account of all these stories we've been hearing about Jesus, because you can imagine Jesus dies 
He is buried and he rises from the dead and then ascends into heaven. And everybody's got a Jesus story from when he was going all around Galilee and Judea and, and even Samaria. And we'll see in Jerusalem. And so everybody's got this story. And so Luke was listening to all these stories and he's like, I think you guys are both talking about the same story, but yours is different than yours. So I'm going to set out to find out what stories are accurate. Like what really happened? Did Jesus heal a guy with one paralyzed leg, two paralyzed legs? What, what wasn't? So when you read Luke, you'll see a lot of these different facts in there that you'd go, well, what, the, what does that have to do really with the story? Well, he's trying to get it all straight. Does that make sense? So that's, that's Luke. And um, I'm really thankful that uh, he did it this way. And so here's the story uh, that we catch up in Luke chapter 17. Um, chapters are just sections in your Bible that someone put in later. Luke didn't, wasn't like, hey, I wrote about it in chapter 17. He didn't write it that way. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So let me stop right there. Um, Israel is just kind of a, it looks like New Jersey. Um, and so on, on the top part is um, uh, Galilee, and then in the middle is this region called Samaria, and at the bottom is where uh, Jerusalem is. And so Jesus is making his way down there. Now, it's very fascinating that he says on the border of Samaria and Galilee. The reason he says it's on the border of that is because Jews didn't enter into Samaria. They hated each other. They thought they were unclean. This is almost as bad as Republicans and Democrats, okay? This is a, they both thought they had the truth. Both thought their way was going to be the way. Both thought, oh man, God loves us more, okay? So that, that, that's kind of the place it is. Now Jesus, as we talked about uh, last week with the demon-possessed man, and if you want to hear a cool story about demons, you can get it on our website. Um, Jesus isn't interested in boundaries, Jesus is going to cut right across your ethnic boundary, your socioeconomic boundary, your cultural boundary. He doesn't care because he loves you. So the boundaries we set up, all these, this, you know, liberal, conservative, all these kinds of things, those are man-made. Jesus doesn't have any boundaries. He doesn't care who you are. There's no clean or unclean. There's humanity. And he loves humanity and he wants to have a relationship with you. And so um, in this case, he's just going along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, because this is what he did, he just walked around with the disciples, he'd heal people, he'd teach in uh, the synagogues and things like that. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Now, so leprosy is this bacterial disease that um, people think that your skin falls off, and that's not actually what happens. Um, it, it, that's one of the signs, but what ends up happening is you get nerve damage, okay? And so what, as you get nerve damage, you're, you're, you, you can't feel pain. And so if I have leprosy in my hand and my whole hand is, uh, is uh, diseased, I could rest it on a stove, and just be talking to you. Yeah, so then the other day I was out watching a football game and I, you smell that? Man, it smells bad. What is that? Ah, you know, you're, I'm on fire, right? That's what would happen. You'd stub your toe and you know when you have a broken toe, you're not supposed to walk on it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know. And so it just became this damage and damage and damage. Here's the other thing about leprosy. You were then unclean, okay? You were then unclean. So you could not go to church, 
You couldn't work. You couldn't be in your home. You were basically an outcast of society. And further, they thought that God was punishing you. They thought you deserved leprosy because of something you did, some either sin of you or your parents or something. This was God's way of exacting justice and judgment. And so here are these 10 men with leprosy. Now, we're going to see in a little bit. Now, we're on the border of Samaria and Galilee. Now, I'm going to insert my own opinion. This is not from the Bible. But I think this group of 10 lepers was mixed. It was both Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> and you say, how is that possible? They're in need. See, when you're in need, when you're isolated, when you're on your own, all these other titles and barriers we put up go down because now you're both poor. You're both an outcast. You both have the same day. You both wake up and you look the same. So the ethnicity or cultural boundaries or any of those things, they go out the window. You're both, you're both basically excommunicated from your societies. And so they, they have this new society and it's at a distance because what they would have to do if you had epilepsy, is you'd have to call out when you saw someone. You'd like be unclean, unclean. Like, can you imagine? Like, have you ever done this? You, you got a cold and someone comes up, and, hey, they're really glad to see you. And you're like, hey, hey, I got a cold. And they're like, oh, dude, thanks a lot. Can you imagine if you, get, you got out of your car in the parking lot and everyone's in the patio and you're like, I have a cold. I've got a cold. Everybody. You know, they'd all look over. Over here, cold. I'm diseased, got a cold, right? People look at you like you're crazy. This was their existence. This was their existence. No relationships, except now they have each other. And so they call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, this is one of the first points I wanted to make this morning. You do not have to be right next to Jesus to call out to him. I've seen many, many people in their journey to find Christ. The very first thing they cry out is from a distance. Maybe they haven't believed him. Maybe their life has been just a mess. Maybe due to their own failures and their own mistakes. It does not matter where you are or what state you're in or how far away from God you are. You can always cry out to Jesus. He doesn't wait until you're all cleaned up. He doesn't say, hey, man, I'd love to talk to you, but I saw what you did last night. <laughs> okay? And we're not going to talk until you've gone at least two weeks without doing that again. That's not what he does. In all of our uncleanliness, and all of our brokenness, you can never be too far off to call out to Jesus and have him notice you and have him answer you. And that's what, they, that's what he did. He says, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus does have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, this is very fascinating. In Leviticus, there were certain laws that if you had uh, uh, leprosy... Um, was I, did I ever say an epilepsy? Did I say that? Okay. Sorry. Little sidetracked for most of my parenting. Um, 
leprosy, sorry. Um, if you had leprosy, when you would, um, uh, when it would start to go away, if it did, you had to go to the priest to show that you were clean. And they would do an inspection on you to see, are you, are you healthy enough? Now, imagine how important that checkup would be, right? Imagine if, if you had to go to the doctor and they were going to do some blood work. And if it came back good, like your cholesterol was down, you could get a job. <laughs> if your cholesterol was good, uh, you could go back home and be with your kids. Okay? If your cholesterol was good, um, you could actually go to church. You could actually be around people. If your cholesterol was good, you wouldn't have to walk into a patio and go, I have high cholesterol. Okay? All that goes away. All of that goes away. It was so important. This, this checkup by the priest basically gave them their lives back. And so Jesus tells them, go show yourself to the priests. Now, another interesting fact, we don't know where these priests are. If it's Jerusalem, because it's priests, and that's where there'd be many priests, a multiple of priests, that's two and a half days away. So Jesus is essentially telling them, Take a two and a half day journey as somebody unclean with no money and go show yourself to the priest. Now, that would be great uh, if he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And they look down, they're like, whoa, that was awesome. Are you clean? Yeah, yeah I'm clean. Are you clean? That's not what happened. That's not what Luke says. Luke may have even interviewed one of these men. Here's what Luke says. And as they went, they were cleansed. Isn't that fascinating? As they walked in obedience of what Jesus had asked them to do, they were cleansed. When did that happen? Was it like, turn, hey, all right. Was it, what if the priest was a couple hours away? Maybe it wasn't all the way down to Jerusalem. It seems to be saying that as they began this journey, each day or each hour or whatever, there was this cleansing, this healing that was happening. As they took each step. Now, again, I'm reading too much into the Bible. If I had to write a dissertation on this, I would not add that into it. But I've just read enough about Jesus and I've read enough in the Bible that it would not surprise me if this was the process. Sometimes he'll have someone bathe seven times. Sometimes he'll have these different things. Sometimes he'll tell someone to pick up their pallet. Like, hey, you got their uh, mat. You know, and you got there's some act of faith. There's something that they need to do. And this is, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the case. And as they're walking, they're being healed. Do you know how many people I have met in this church and in my life of ministry and in my life out of ministry that as they continue to journey in obedience, they begin to become more and more whole. Sometimes it happens like that. I've seen people healed. I've seen people healed from addictions. I've seen people. Mostly what I see is people walking in obedience every morning, getting up, listening to the voice of the Lord, and obeying. And so they're healed. Now, if I was walking in obedience and I was being cleansed, number one, I'd walk faster. Uh, number two, I would try to get to that priest as fast as I can. The faster I get to that priest, the faster my life turns around. The, 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 the faster I get to that preach, uh, uh, priest, the faster I have options 
options I never had before. And Luke, Luke is the only one that tells this story in his gospel. And this is what Luke focuses on. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Now, if you're Luke, and you're trying to tell the story, and it's a story about Jesus, why would you even include this? And Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. And ten, they were all healed. And they had a nice day. And the next day, Jesus woke up and made fish for everybody. Like what? But Luke is slowing down. He's going, I'm going to give you some facts that are really, really important. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. This is how I know they were on their way. Now, how far was he? I don't know. He might have been a half an hour. He might have been a full day. The fact of the matter is, he saw and he felt gratitude. And he knew, I've got to express this gratitude or it doesn't do any good. I can be grateful about lots of different things, but until I express it in my relationships, my relationships hinge on my ability to be grateful. My ability to express gratitude. And yours do too. He saw he said he came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, what he's doing essentially is putting his life on hold in order to give thanks. Everything depends on this. But he's saying, you know what? I'm going to stop what I'm doing. As important as it is. As much as I got. As busy as I am. I'm going to stop. And because of what God has done, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to give thanks. Can you imagine if we did this in our lives? If we did this with our coworkers, you got so much to do. Got to get this done. Got to get this done. Got to get that done. And you stop. And you go to that coworker and you say, hey, you know what? I really wanted to thank you for you helping me yesterday. And they say, oh, I'm just doing my job. I know. But it meant a lot to me. Thank you very much. Can you imagine if you go to your spouse and you say, I, I haven't told you this in a long time, but I am so thankful for everything you do for me and our family. And I know you're tired and I know you do it out of love and I know you do it anyway because you obey Jesus. But I just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you do. Can you imagine the impact that'll have? Can you imagine parents in a position of power, your kids, you tell them to do their chores. Okay, in my life, you tell them over and over again to do their chores. And so they do it because you've nagged them and they finally clean their room. You've been saying it all this time. Don't turn to your kids if they're here and poke them or anything like that. Okay, they're beautiful cherubs. Uh, and so they finally do their room. They finally clean it. And you're thinking, well, that only took six times. Or you stop and you walk in. And instead of going, you forgot to sweep there's a sock under your uh, bed. Not that I've ever done any of that. Uh, you stop and you go, hey, I really want to thank you for cleaning your room. It helps me and mom a lot. Uh, it just helps calm down the house. It just, it's just not as cluttered. And I just really want to thank you for that. Can you imagine a pattern of that? How that would affect your relationship with your kids? Here's what this guy does. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. Not only did he stop what was important, his journey, got things to do, people to meet, priests to check me out, you know, got to do a physical, whatever. He humbles himself. 
Saying thank you is very humbling. Is it not? It's very humbling. And to receive thank you often is uncomfortable, isn't it? Like when someone comes to you and says, hey, I just really want to thank you. I'm just like, that's okay. I didn't didn't want to. It's important that we listen and we go, well, you're welcome. You're welcome. I really enjoyed doing it. Or yeah, that was really difficult, but I'm glad we got it done together. He throws himself at Jesus in this this posture of humility. I, I would say this. And again, I might be reading too much into it. When we express gratitude to each other, We are worshiping Jesus. We are at Jesus' feet. We're saying, I'm not too important. I'm not too busy. It's not who did what, and he did that, and she did that, and we want to get it equal. We just say, man, when when we express gratitude, because our relationships depend on it, we're at Jesus' feet. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He actually verbally said, thank him you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for changing me. Like I said, I preached to myself. One of the things I was thinking about uh, this week, I'm like, when's the last time I thanked Jesus? Now, I thank Jesus all the time. Lord, thank you for this food and all the ways you take care of me. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my... Come on, man. When's the last time I just stopped what I was doing. And I just said, God, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you so much for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your patience, for your kindness, for your love. So I did that this week. It's really cool. (laughs) So I hope you do that this week as well. And so Luke has to fill out some other things. Because we tend to describe people or put people, or we tend to put ourselves in the story, right? And Luke doesn't want the reader to do this. Luke doesn't want you to to say, oh yeah, he was probably, you know, just like me. Luke says this, and he was a Samaritan. Man, if you're reading this, I put a few on here that this is what you might... Is, and, and he was a, and then you have to insert whatever label you label people with there. And he was a millennial. <laughs> All right? Yeah, everyone laughing is over 50. I'll guarantee you that right now. <laughs> right? Right, because I said millennial, and you have, a, you have a certain thing in your mind. Like, oh, I know millennial. You got a man bun. You got this, that, this, all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you, I work with millennials. They're the best people on the planet. I love working with millennials. But, but that's the thing. You put in a thing, you, you automatically get a label. And he was a liberal. Oh, my goodness, a liberal thanking Jesus. That's impossible. How does that even happen? I, are they even Christians? I don't even know. He was a conservative. What? A conservative got on their knees? That's what? I don't get that. That's impossible. He was a Tom Brady fan. What? <laughs> they don't know anything about football, and they can't preach. I was going to put Raider fan, but you guys have been getting beaten up enough. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just playing. I love, I love everything. I love people and puppies and everything. So don't, don't, don't write me any, any letters or anything. <laughs> Jeremy's back there going, I'll kill you. 
Okay, that's, that's the thing. That's why you don't mess with Raider fans. <laughs> Your relationships will be as healthy as the gratitude you express. Jesus asked this. Oh, wait, 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 wait a second. I mean, th- you're welcome, first of all. Stand up. I got a question. We're, we're not all ten cleansed? Like when I did my thing, I meant it for everybody. Like, I, I, like did it not work? Like, did you take it all and now there's not enough to give around? Like, what, how, like what, what happened? What happened to the, the other nine? He asked this question, where are the other nine? Now listen, I don't think Jesus is like, man, that's the last time I heal anyone, (laughs) right? If you're not going to say thank you, forget it. I'm out. I'm done with ministry in grateful Samaritans and Israelites and I'm walking around and all this kind of stuff. That's that's not what he's saying. I, I think he wants us to ask this question. Are we part of the nine? Are we part of the nine that go through our merry way, just accepting all these gifts we got? We accept the fact that we're in America and we're free. We accept the fact that we're in the top 2% of the world in, 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 in uh, socioeconomic standards. We accept the fact that we have internet. I accept the fact that I have a phone and I can use it as a flashlight. Like, what in the world? Like, do, do I just accept all this stuff? Like, because I expect it. And I think Jesus wants us to slow down a little bit and go, stop, stop. You have so much to be thankful for. And I believe this, that just as our relationships, the health of our relationships depend on the gratitude we express, I think the health of our relationship with our Heavenly Father is also as healthy as the gratitude we express. Matter of fact, the Bible just says, if you want to know how much to give thanks, just do it always and you'll probably be fine. You give thanks to the Lord. He asked this question, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, again, he's, I, I believe that he is being tongue-in-cheek here. Like, why, how is it that you Israelites think you're doing so great and you think you got it all, you're all that, you've, you're controlling the temple right now, so you're in power, you've got this, you've got your laws, you've got your history, you've got all this kind of stuff. I think he did air quotes when he said foreigner, <laughs> right? Because Jesus doesn't have any boundaries with people. He shared that he was the Messiah. The first person he shared that to was a Samaritan woman. Two barriers in that culture. Jesus doesn't care. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That's just fascinating to me. I, I, I sat on that for a while and was thinking about The difference between the faith, the act of faith, or the act of gratitude? Like, was it the act of faith that made him well when he took that step of faith and he turned to go show himself to the priests? And that was an act of faith because he wasn't healed at that time. He was healed on the way. And, 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 and were the other nine healed? Like, I think they were. And you know what I think? I think the other nine... We're so thankful. They felt so grateful. They probably talked about it all the time. They probably went, oh, Jesus is the man. I love Jesus. Oh, he's the best. But they didn't go back. 
See, I think they were all made well, okay? I think what Jesus is expressing is just how important the gratitude is, the, 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 the state of humility that this man expressed. As Carrie returns back up with the worship band, our relationships are going to be as healthy as the gratitude that we express. So I have an assignment for you this week, and it's an assignment for me as well. As I've been talking, there's probably some people in your life that you realize, man, I don't think I've been, I don't think I've expressed my gratitude as much as I should. And here, I just want to talk to men for a little bit, just because I'm a man and I understand me better. Uh, here's, the, here's the problem for us men. I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, ah, it's my spouse. And she heard this sermon. So for those of you, you men who your wives aren't here, you're just like, yes, this is going to be awesome, right? She's going to think it's my idea, right? Now, it's typical for a man to be like, oh, man, you know what I'm going to do? I hear what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to wait two weeks, and then I'm going to say thank you, and then it'll be like it's my idea. Let me just tell you, sir, you're going to forget and because she's heard this sermon, she's going to be sitting there going, hmm, interesting. Wasn't that a great message? Yeah, honey, it was. Yeah. Huh. Wonder, when, wonder when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm, right? Just get over your pride. You could just, I'll even give you some nice. Because no dude wants another dude telling him how to talk to his wife. Okay? I understand that. But for all of us, whether you're male or female or whatever, there's this uncomfortableness of like, oh, you're just doing that because the pastor said to. No, you're not. You're doing that because the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you know what? You need to be more grateful. And so you just go, listen, oh man, that sermon was great. And I realized I haven't said thank you enough to you. So that's number one. Find three people like that. The second part of it is be specific. Don't be like, hey, I want to thank you for everything you've done. That's good. But it's like, I want to thank you for working as hard as you do. I want to thank you for the fact that you get up every single morning and you do this and you never complain and you do this and you do that. I I want to thank you that even though because of all my flaws, I never feel judged by you. I just want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for that. (laughs) Even knowing all the pastor's flaws, you never judge the pastor. These people do, but you don't. So I want to thank you for that. So those are your things. you got three people. You've probably already thought of them already. Be thankful, be grateful, and be specific for what they want. We're going to take a little time of uh, worship right now and um, uh, where we just get a time to reflect. And maybe for you, you just want to go to the Lord. Maybe the Lord's only put one person on your heart and you're like, you know, I need two more. And it might be someone from your past. We've had so many people who've helped us along in our journey, right? Like it might be an old boss. You just call him out of the blue. Go, you know what? You did so much to help me grow, to mentor me. And now I'm doing great. I just, I just wanted to call you back. I want to say thank you for those times where you pulled me aside and you helped me. You, you gave me the tools I needed to be successful. Really appreciate that. First of all, the dude's going to be like, hey, do you want to come back? I'll hire you again, right? <laughs> she might be like, you know, you, you know yeah, I can, I, I'm now the president. So go, come on, who knows? 
But so be praying about that. The other thing we do is we fill out our connection cards at this time. And so, uh, like we said, we like to get one of those from every household um, every single time. And so um, we'd love for you to fill that out. And then at this time also, if, uh, if this is your church home and you give, uh, you can just, um, you know, get your offering all together. And at the end of the service, we go in the very back and there's a box. You just shove everything in there and we'll, we'll sort it out. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, uh, I just want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you for giving us the ability to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thank you for all the ways that we don't even know about, all the things you've done that we've taken for granted, all the people we've met that you've placed into our lives, all the uh, ways things have worked out or not worked out. And when they haven't worked out, you've, you've, you've made good use of those things. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray as we... Think of these people that we're supposed to thank, that you would help us and uh, um, to be bold enough and to be humble enough to say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.